I thought that was a little cheesy. That to me always feels like we ran out of money. <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is Take Three, a movie podcast. Take one. I think I have the same concerns with this one that I did with the Brady Bunch movie where I'm not sure if there's going to be a ton of research, but I do think it's a very good movie. It's a classic movie. And I think you really, really enjoy this movie. I really, really enjoy this movie. Cool. 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 So like, I do like the chaotic nature of us surprising each other. Yeah. I know that you are trepidatious, so this does not have to be an ongoing thing. No, it's fun for now though. Like I, I don't mind it for now. Okay. So now I'm guessing what you picked, I guess, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I didn't really think of a creative way to reveal this to you, but I guess if you want to just... What is the genre? I would say... Oh, it's been so long since I've seen it. I, I think the core is comedy, but it might... It very well could border on, like, mystery or action. I genuinely don't remember. It's a very, like, out of left field for me. This is not my usual uh, go-to or genre of choice. Is it directed by somebody that I like? I have no idea. Give me one second. Someone of note. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I almost don't want to tell you. I, I genuinely don't know if you would know this director by name, but it seems like from his filmography, he's done a lot of very funny movies. Okay. Is is there like a big celebrity in it? There are several. Yeah. I think I would even argue that one in particular maybe got their start in this movie. I could be very wrong about that, but so is this like an older movie? Yes. Like how old? Early nineties. Wow, that's so old. Yeah, ancient. Yeah, man. that's us old. <laughs> that's you old, bitch. You are eight months <laughs> younger than I am. I was I was born a year after this movie came out. You were born the year this movie came out. Fuck off. I need like another clue. There's a very iconic monologue that happens in this movie. I, that doesn't help at all, does it? No. I, it doesn't help to know that uh, I don't want to say this because people are going to expect me to do it. I won't do it, but I can kind of do, like I've memorized it and I can kind of do an impression of it. Is this one of those movies that like you can quote? I can specifically quote this part of the movie. I'm not going to in this episode, but I can. Why not? I'll do it for you off camera just to prove that I can do it, but I'm not going to do it here. Oh, so the the actor that I think got her start in this movie, she does the monologue and she has also been in some recent movies that you really enjoy from a production company that you also really enjoy. What? This the is fuck? bad. Okay, she's in the MCU. She's not an Avenger, but she's related to one. In the MCU, she's not an Avenger, but she's related to one. Scooby-Doo, we've already done Scooby-Doo. No, who do you think it is? I was thinking like Linda Cardellini or something. No, no. But Linda no. Carly didn't get her start in Scooby-Doo. Because um, you said like comedy, mystery. 
<laughs> Although those came out in the 2000s. We're doing Scooby-Doo again. <laughs> We're doing it again because we loved it so much. Fuck. That's not it. I'm going to edit this so it's a lot less embarrassing, but it's been like okay. seven minutes that, it's, that I've been trying to guess. I don't know how else to like hint it to you. Okay. This is going to give it away. She plays a mother in the MCU. Is she a mother or is she an aunt? Oh, fuck. She is an aunt. She is an aunt. Oh, I ah! fucked that up so bad. She is an aunt. I forgot about that. I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> technically, I guess we don't really know if she's an aunt. Like, the original Aunt May was a grandma, yeah. but yeah. she, to me, seems more like an aunt. Are you talking about Marissa Tomei? I am talking about Marissa Tomei. My cousin Vinny! Yeah. Like, are we happy with that? Absolutely. I love this movie. I do too. I do too. Awesome pick. Good job. Good job. I have seen this movie maybe like twice in my life. It's been very, very long since I've seen it. We watched it together though, I thought. I know. And that was probably honestly the last time that I saw it. Okay. Possibly the first time. Um, So it's been recent within the last, what? seven years yeah. but uh i love it I, the the monologue is just iconic it's clever it's hysterical what is it an action like i feel like there's maybe some action involved like i feel like it's more like a mystery comedy kind of thing right i mean it's like a legal, it's a legal comedy. comedy drama is there any um like action or anything so like the genre that is listed online it says comedy slash crime which makes total sense okay am i accurate in saying that this launched marissa tomei's career or am i wrong about that so i know she won an oscar for it let me see what her earliest roles were she had been in it looks like about five movies prior to that okay but nothing that i'm really even familiar with although she's been nominated a couple of times for oscars i fucking love her good i do too i do too have you ever seen the karate kid no actually you haven't okay well ralph macchio was the karate kid and i like remember watching those movies as a kid my sister and my mom are really into cobra kai and apparently he's still on that really Mm -hmm. that's like a continuation of that story so he's very handsome in this movie oh he's a beautiful beautiful person absolutely yeah i'm glad you're excited because i am too I, i think it's a it's a great movie agreed let's just watch it works for me that was quick and easy Day two. Wow, so I didn't think that was actually going to wind up happening there for a minute. What? It took me, like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes just to get into my damn computer. Oh, I thought you were going to make a joke about how long it took me to watch this movie. Oh, no. Well, you know, it is funny because, like, I watched it like a week ago. And I think at one point we had a plan earlier. Yeah. (laughs) to maybe do a take two then. Uh, so I watched it, but then you were like, oh, I'm super busy. And so we put it off till now. But I still remember it, so it should be fine. Yeah, uh, I literally just finished it. Yeah. Like 10 minutes ago, and I had a great time. Well, good. I forgot how... Oh, see, I wrote the word slapstick here, but I don't think that that's appropriate because I think slapstick connotates physical comedy. Yeah. And I don't think that's... I understand what you mean, though. It's sort of silly. Like, a lot of the the coincidences and the comedy of unfortunate events, I think I forgot how silly this movie is versus it being, like, a serious story, I guess. I mean, I think there are definitely, obviously, aspects of it that are serious, but 
it's much funnier than I think I ever really gave it credit for. And like right off the bat too, like there's a whole misunderstanding in the very beginning where they think they're getting arrested for stealing. Yeah. Which is hysterical. And then <laughs> when when Vinny comes into the jail cell and I forget his name now, but he thinks he's, yes. you know, the big guy in the jail. And, <laughs> and Vinny goes, you're getting fucked one way or the other. And I just cackled genius it is very funny and and clever i love that shit i love that kind of humor i think that's what takes it from just being like a silly comedy is that it's actually very clever and and heartfelt this is one thing i told you within the past week that i did not want to do and so you can do it or we don't have to do it at all but i do not want to go into how maybe inaccurate some of these legal proceedings are (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure that there are things that are like super coincidental. It's super convenient that they didn't do it and we know that they didn't do it. And then suddenly like there's all this proof coming up and like things sort of fall into place much easier than your typical legal drama. But this isn't your typical legal drama. And I just don't feel like comparing it to your typical legal drama and being like, oh, okay, well, this isn't exactly how no, I gotcha. this would go. Or There are things that... I'm sure wouldn't fly, but I just, I really want to focus on that. I don't give a fuck. I'll do it. Uh, cool. Oh, you, well, okay. So you either do it or you don't do it and we just don't talk about it. That's fine too. So what was the movie? I think it was called flight where the guy got drunk and then inverted the plane yes. and landed it. Yeah. Much more of a serious movie. <laughs> I remember for part of my research for that movie, I looked up pilots discussing that situation. Yeah. And I'm sure I would be surprised if there wasn't a video out there of like lawyer reacts to my cousin Vinny or something. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. Ralph Macchio, adorable as fuck. Yeah, he is really adorable. Like where is he now? Uh he's on Cobra Kai. He's adorable and I love him. Yeah. Uh Fred Gwynn, very tall and very scary man. I would say without his makeup, he's actually more frightening. Yeah. Like he could definitely play like like a tall gangly monster like, like a, a frankenstein's, frankenstein's monster, monster kind of guy yeah, yeah he'd be absolutely. real good at that if they remade this movie i don't think they ever will and i don't think they should no they don't need to but if they did i think the only person that could replace marissa tomei is lady gaga i think this whole time oh my god they have to remake it <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> holy shit <laughs> because i don't know if you know this but lady gaga is also italian and also from new york so oh i see you know i'm i'm learning new things every day about lady gaga this is this podcast is all about um you know giving you the straight facts thank you i love no they're not Um, not technically straight facts but (laughs) (laughs) we wouldn't we wouldn't Uh, classify them as straight facts but continue i'm sorry i realized that i said a lot of things in take one about how marissa tomei had this huge monologue and she does like i would you consider it a monologue in the courtroom? I don't know if like technically a monologue because it really is a dialogue, but yeah, you can tell the part of this movie that won her the Oscar. For sure. hundred percent. Like it's very clear what part of it that they sent in, you know, I mean, obviously they showed the whole thing, but like, I'm sure that like when her nomination was coming up, that, that part, that question <laughs> and answer part towards the end is what came up and played when, you know, her name was getting called. For sure. She's just the best. And she really, I think, she saves the day. And it's just 
Like, you watch it for her. Yeah, I mean, I love Joe Pesci. And, I mean, I think all of the actors in this do a really good job. But, like, Joe Pesci's great, right? But it's just sort of for her show. And I think that it's Mm -hmm. pretty apparent as far as, you know, how this movie is aged and, and what people remember from it. I mean, Mona Lisa Vito is just, she's the shit, right? Like, she is. This makes me want to watch Legally Blonde. (laughs) <laughs> and it reminds me, you know why? No, well, like, they're both why. legal stories about they're... right, but they're both they're both legal stories, but like with a kind of like a silly twist to them a little bit, or like yeah. Um, and I, like I remember having a conversation with you where we, I think, Legally Blonde came up, and you're like, you know what, you should watch is this show where like every episode is sort of like that, where it's like they have like I I feel like you know what show I'm talking about. I don't know the name of it. Is it Boston Legal? Is that the one? Oh, okay. So Boston Legal, I think, probably does have a degree of legal accuracy. But there are even things there that I'm like, wow, how the hell did they get away with that? I think that they had plot armor. Like they really pull off some masterful stuff there. But maybe it's because they do it so frequently that like you maybe just have more faith in them. And then they're like expert lawyers, whereas Elle and Vinny are not expert lawyers. They're like sort of just starting out kind of, you know, whereas like the people on Boston Legal, which is a really funny show. And I remember it very fondly. Speaking of (laughs) Legally Blonde, it kind of happened even easier in Legally Blonde because she just like gets Linda Cardellini to confess. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, it just, like, she just goads her into confessing. Like, if Linda Cardellini keeps her mouth shut, then, like, what what do we do next? Like, how how does this story continue? I don't know. I, but I love Legally Blonde. I could watch that movie all the time. If you want to make this a Legally Blonde and My Cousin Vinny episode, we can. And we can do four takes if you want to do a... <laughs> we can do take three, can be watching Legally Blonde, and then take four can be the final... Everything we can do that too. I don't care. I'll say this: I would not object to any legally blonde research. If you want to bring that up in take three, well, let's do that. Okay, so we're gonna watch Legally Blonde and all of Boston Legal. Merge this episode with that episode. <laughs> do you want to do that? Okay, that's a lot of work. It's just one more movie. This episode's gonna come out like August. <laughs> I mean, were you serious about? Why not? I don't know. They're both legal movies, and I think it'd be funny to have a take. Shit. You guys already know because you've seen some sort of title or something, but this is now also a Legally Blonde episode. You sneaky bitch. Just the first one because the second one is not great. Way to like commandeer. <laughs> like I chose this movie for you and now you're like, hmm. Bitch, you brought Legally Blonde up. <laughs> I didn't think we'd research it. No, I'm just kidding. Like I, I, that's, I love that movie too. No, I totally, if, if you are out, like whether or not... This episode has the words legally blonde on the title. You'll know whether or not this worked out or not. (laughs) Okay, dibs on not saying take four. Small trivia stuff here. When we first made this podcast, you were like, okay, record this, but like stand like 20 feet away and say it. And that's how we got the. Yeah, because it's like, that's how they do it on set. Like you're not always like right next to the, the I mean, like you're close to the sound people, but like it just kind of sounds like you're off in the distance with the slate. I'm not saying that it was a bad thing. I'm just saying that if you want it to be consistent, you have to do that. Since when do I give a fuck about consistency? (laughs) We're doing four takes this episode. Four takes. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Um, All right. So that was good. Okay. 
Sure. Wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. I just wanted to say a couple more things about um, my cousin Vinny. We kind of went off the rails. Okay. Okay. So his friend, Ralph Macchio's friend, I don't know why I can't think of his name either, because I just kept calling him Barry because he's Barry on Friends. He's the guy that Rachel leaves at the altar. He's a dentist. Oh, okay. I never noticed that before. And I saw him and I was like, oh my God, that's Barry. We can call him Barry. That's fine. Absolutely. And have you ever seen The Karate Kid? No. This episode is now, we're going to have a take five, a six, and a seven. No. Because there are three Karate Kid movies. <laughs> well, there's actually four, but there's three of Ralph Macchio. You're going to watch all of those too. This is going to be like 12 takes by the time we finish this. And we're going to Comic-Con, bitches. So this is going to be after that probably now that I now that we've made it much larger. Hey, in the thumbnail, do you want to be L or do you want to be Vinny? I assume you'll splice them. That's hard because I want Mona Lisa to be in the thumbnail. So we can just be Mona Lisa or L. Fuck. Yeah, let's do that. It's called My Cousin Vinny and Mona Lisa's the version. That's fine. Can you get her in the black and white outfit when they go to the... Di- That's another really funny moment when she's looking at the menu and she's like, um, breakfast? Yes. To the menu yes. Just There's three things. options. That's so funny. Thank you. I wrote notes down too and it's I've just terrible. not been reading them. Really, Sorry, we, read this, them. this episode went to shit when we... Um, started introducing Lily Blonde, but whatever. That is so fucking funny. It's genius. It's gold. Yeah. And the the train waking them mm-hmm. up in the morning is really great. Everything waking them up in the morning, yeah. It's just a silly, funny, awesome movie, and I'm really glad that we were doing it. And honestly, I think like the only legal movie that I like more than My Cousin Vinny is Legally Blonde. So <laughs> I'm super stoked. Nice. I guess I am too. A diagnosis of cancer can be alienating. Cancer in a testicle as a young man can be devastating. A testicle is removed, cancer treatments are discussed, and concepts of masculinity and mortality are challenged in ways you never thought possible. I'm Stephen Crocker, a testicular cancer survivor and board member with the Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. It Takes Balls is a podcast by and for testicular cancer survivors, patients, and their loved ones. Listen as survivors and medical providers share their stories and give personal insights into facing and treating a testicular cancer diagnosis. Everyone's journey is unique and equally important. Early detection of testicular cancer saves lives. I hope you're ready because it takes balls. Take three. That was the crispiest. Don't act like that was the second coming of clap christ was uh i just wish you appreciated me more that's all just wish that there was more to appreciate so this is a take three for legally blonde right that's where we're at right now yeah oh take three for legally blonde yeah yeah yeah. and the way that you were acting right before we started is freaking me out to be honest with you what are you gonna ask i was gonna say you watched this a long time ago i watched this last night So here's the thing. We brought this up and then we went on vacation. And on the way to your house to then fly out from where you live to San Diego, on the way there, I was like, well, I need to have something to watch while I drive. And so I had to have this on. But I mean, obviously, I'm a very good driver and I wasn't watching. I was listening to it. Mm -hmm. So that's okay. But I, I know the story like backwards and forward. I recapped, even though it's been like two weeks now since I've seen it. So a little bit of a an interesting take three already because of the fact that we're not spitting facts. We're reacting to another movie. 
But what's also interesting is that Jordan doesn't seem to like this movie. I've never actually said those words. You sounded like that. I had a reaction prior to starting this take that might have been less than favorable, but never once did I actually say my opinion about this movie. I think it's a very cute movie. I think it's a very fun movie. And I think after about like the first third of it is when it actually starts to get like fun, in my opinion. But I like I've seen it once before in its entirety. This is the second time that I've watched it. And I think I was just like, man, this has taken a while to kind of get good. And then we had like the bend and snap musical sequence. And I was like, what are we doing here? Like, what is what is this? Like, yeah, that kind of breaks the tone of the movie. It is sort of like, okay, well. I'm not sure what this is, but I mean, it's the Bend and Snap. It's iconic. It works every time. I know. I think, but it's like, I was like, why is this iconic? I'm like, this just seems too silly. Like we, the Bend and Snap is fine as it is. We don't need like a dance number for it. That's just, that's just silly. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. Yeah. From me. How do you feel about this movie? I love this movie so much. It's one of those movies that helped sculpt young Nick, in my opinion. Oh. Like, bring it on. And my parents were legit both shocked when I told them I was gay. <laughs> yes, there are silly moments. And like I've said before in Take One or Take Two or whatever, this isn't the embodiment of like a legal textbook. A lot of things just sort of fall into place. And I don't care at all because I love the characters. And it just feels like such a, a nostalgia hit for me. I think the biggest thing that I was latching on to in this past viewing is just how good of a person I feel like Elle is. I just, even though some people would think she's annoying and some people would think she's vapid and some people would think she's a dumb blonde, they never paint her to be like unlikable or as to do something that like, I wouldn't do like the situations that she's put in, for example, having the choice of impressing her professor and telling that alibi or being like, no, I'm not going to say the alibi, which is because she promised Allie Larder's character that she wouldn't. Like, I feel like that's like really like a genuine thing. It may have been a dumb decision and a decision that very few people would have made. <laughs> I don't know. That's super endearing. And then obviously uh, when you, you find out that the professor is like a fucking skis ball, that whole turn of events and, and how she's able to sort of come out on top again is is very convenient but like i just i like a legal story that has a character that's not sort of like oh we like her even though she's like a shitty person (laughs) i started watching boston legal yeah and so many of those characters are like wow you are of questionable judgment and morals but like oh my god do i just love you (laughs) i don't want to like hang out with you but like, I'm very happy that you're like good cutthroat lawyers. L is like the opposite where it's like this shit just sort of falls in her lap. But she's so likable that like, I don't know, I feel like she'll get the hang of it eventually. <laughs> I do think there are parallels to both of these movies, though. It, like it's it's very much about two characters that are sort of thrust into a situation that they're not used to, maybe into environments that they're not really prepared for. Definitely. I think they make a good pair. Yeah, no, I mean, whoever chose to do both of these movies together is really fucking smart. Yeah. I don't remember if it was you or me. I'm taking credit, That's though. The artist. I think it was you. I don't think I would have uh, recommended you take on this workload. 
because you are editing take four. <laughs> All of it. That's okay. I will say, I there were several points while watching Legally Blonde that I wanted to like start a feminist conversation just because I wasn't sure. I, that's something I want to look into. Like, is this a feminist piece? I just feel like I left that movie thinking like, wow, women can be smart too, you know? Was that like a... <laughs> Like a revelation for you? Not really, but that just felt like what the movie was trying to say. And I'm like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I like that message. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Oh, you, (laughs) okay. I understand what you mean. I like, (laughs) so basically what you're, you're getting at is that like this movie, what it's saying, it's like something that should already be understood, I guess, is your point. Yeah. I just think that this is like, hey, this girl had a dream and like, yes, it started out for being a stupid reason, but look how far she came because she believed in herself. And yeah, obviously it's not like she grew to be smart. She was smart at the beginning of the movie. She was like Mm -hmm. legit capable of doing everything she did throughout that movie at the very beginning. And what she grew is like faith in herself to realize all of that rather than like, oh, she just became smarter because she went to Harvard, you know? The motto of this movie is what? Like it's hard? Yes, exactly. Like that is the, that's the message. The mantra, absolutely. I love that so much. I think the delusional confidence that Elle has is something that we all should aspire to. (laughs) It's something I've always struggled with. I'm always trying to like sort of climb over that first wall in my head of like, no, this is like super hard. And like, yes, like I do believe that we are capable of doing a whole lot of stuff, you know, but I think it would just be super beneficial for me at least. And I think I'm sure a lot of our listeners can agree and maybe you, I don't know. Uh, we could we could probably benefit from that competence that L has that is just like a again makes her so charming, but also makes her truly believe that like this is something that she can do, and obviously she can do it because she does do it. Because she did it. Yeah, she did it. I don't even know if we recorded this part when we were talking about like which of us is more like Mona Lisa and which of us is more like L. Oh yeah. And I had said something like I would totally you know just on a whim just go to to law school to follow my heart or whatever. I think it's something I'd like to think I'd be able to do, but it's also like there's a lot of fear and anxiety that comes into just like living in today's world. And that doesn't seem to be something that Elle lets stop her. Yeah. No, I do. Immediately after watching this, I was recommended the second one. And I know you briefly talked about the second one. Who recommended that to you? I, it was probably like when I logged in on Letterboxd or like once the movie was over, I was like, now try number two. Gross. Um, yeah, tell me about it. Like, why is it bad? So it's just not as good. It's called like Red, White, and Blonde. It's about that she finds out that Bruiser is gay, her dog. <laughs> or she's trying to get some sort of bill passed or something. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember like even young Nick didn't really care for it that much. I see. They've been talking about making a third one like forever and – I mean, it's got big shoes to fill, but really not huge ones. It's just got to be better than the second one, in my opinion. Like, nothing's ever going to be as iconic as the first. The second's still Reese Witherspoon, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what's really cool, though, when you think about this movie is, like, just how many people went on to be big celebrities. I mean, obviously, I feel like a lot of them were pretty well-known even then. Luke Wilson and Selma Blair and Allie Larder and freaking uh, Jennifer Coolidge, like... (laughs) 
This was one of like the first things. I think this is probably the first thing I had ever seen from Jennifer Coolidge. Like I don't know for sure the timeline of this and American Pie, but I know for a fact I saw this before American Pie. <laughs> and those were like her two big things to start out with, I believe. I and she's the fucking best thing in the the whole movie, in my opinion. I don't think I've ever seen American Pie. Yo, is it good? They're like really silly, raunchy comedies, but I remember watching them like in high school and maybe like early college and enjoying them. I mean, for what they are, it's frat boy humor, but it also has like some people that went on to become super duper important to us, like Allison Hannigan and Natasha Lyonne and Jennifer Coolidge and I didn't know Natasha uh, Eugene Levy. And yeah, there's like so many freaking people that uh are in that that i feel like you would be very happy to see oh my god oh my god there are four true american pie movies there's like american pie american pie two american wedding and then american reunion okay i think we should do a take four for american pie one a take five for american pie two a take six for american pie wedding and it takes seven for American Reunion, and then it takes eight for all of these movies. I'm going to uh, go ahead and veto that as co-creator of this podcast. It's a no for me. It's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me. Okay. I'm sure I brought this up before, but there's like a handful of movies that were in my older brother's collection that were like around those same PG-13 R-rated like straight male fodder kind of movies. Like Cat in the Hat. No, no, not not quite. More like the hard R Cat in the Hat. The hard R? What? Hard R Cat in the Hat. What does that mean? Like a, like, Jesus Christ. Um, like a hard R would mean that like you got a R rating for like a lot of things. Oh. Like it was very... Are you sure that's the term? Hard R does kind of sound like you're punctuating like a slur, doesn't it? Yeah, I yeah, that's not what it's. That's R. not. That's does not like. Uh, that's not what hard R means. But it does kind of sound like that. I like. I saw the look on your face, like Nick. What are you yeah, saying? I was like, I was like, there's no R's in Cat in the Hat. What are no. you talking about? <laughs> Um, did you mean Cat in the Hat unrated? Is that yeah, what yeah, yeah. you're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. Like a hard R movie would be something like like hostile or something that like, yes. like fought unrated. to get an R. Unrated is what we'll use from now on because there are a lot like Eurotrip unrated was one that I watched. Jesus Christ. Love Eurotrip. Malibu's Most Wanted. There was like <laughs> all of the Saw movies. There was uh, Without a Paddle was a big one. But the most important one, and I, for some reason, the last few days have thought about this movie. I think like some clips have come up on TikToks or something, but White Chicks, I fucking love that movie so goddamn much. It is so, it is still so funny to me to this day. I know you hate it. I know that like you want to kill yourself every time you watch it or anytime it comes up, but Karen is the same there's the that actress like they're you know the group of three friends with yeah. with deb from from dexter uh-huh. one of them is in legally blonde as like the friend that got married yeah i'm getting married yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know her name i don't I know, know her she's name either. in it and she's great and you know that the other one I, we've talked about this i think but the other the other one of the legally blonde friends is was in the first brady bunch movie brady bunch yeah, yeah. And not in the second one. Anyway, I just brought that up to say that I love White Chicks and White Chicks was a movie that was big for my growing up in high school. And I'm surprised that American Pie wasn't like that wasn't in his collection. So I didn't watch it. Yeah, I'm really glad we went down that rabbit hole. Thank you. Yeah, me too. I didn't I didn't feel like I had a lot to contribute. So I wanted to uh, derail a bit. Cool. So cool. No, I love a good derailment. (laughs) 
I'm feeling like I don't. This is just a weird take. I, I think today has just been so weird. The weather here has been so weird. I'm still like semi readjusting to my sleep schedule after that trip. And it, it's just been a weird week. And I just do you feel as weird as I do? Think about how I felt. I immediately came back and then had COVID, which like put me in a coma for yeah. several days. And like I was like not just sleeping all night and sleeping all day. Yesterday, I think I told you that I went like 40 hours and hadn't freaking slept. That's insane. We're we're like, yeah, we hop dimensions. We're in another one and we're just tired. <laughs> We have come back from San Diego and there will be some sort of you'll you'll hear about it in some way, shape or form eventually. But not here. We're here to talk about a bunch of other movies like American Pie and White Chicks. <laughs> OK, we're not. Oh, thank you for acknowledging that. I truly like don't have anything against the Wayans Brothers at all. I think that that movie is so bad and they look so <laughs> scary looking that's why it's so funny though it's because like in in no world in no universe would they have ever been passable as those two real girls yeah and (laughs) so it makes it that's in my opinion what makes it so funny and like them as the girls are funnier than the girls themselves and it just it's just a great oh, definitely. funny time. You know what I'll give you? You know what I'll give you? What? You know what I my opinion, my favorite part of that whole movie is? Tell me, because it's probably mine too. Yes, it's a, it's an actor. Oh, is it Terry Crews? Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh hell Terry yeah. <laughs> I love that man so much. Oh my god. He's amazing. Uh, I but anyway. he can do no wrong. And so the I forgive you for bringing that up because we got to talk a little bit about Terry Crews. Thank you. Are you telling me that I need to watch American Pie as as preparation for this take four? <laughs> no. This episode is crowded and weird enough. This is the weirdest take three we've ever done. It might also be the shortest take three we've ever done because it's technically a take two, another take two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, do you have anything else that you would like to say about whatever movie we just watched? Legally Blonde. Fuck. Legally Blonde. Yeah, it's the one with Reese Witherspoon um the law i think i saw that one yeah it was it was fun it was good i don't like that they did the the documentary text at the end of it i thought that was a little cheesy that to me always feels like we ran out of money (laughs) (laughs) but also like they didn't tell us anything that we wouldn't have already guessed like there was nothing profound or crazy that they told us. Like it was just like everyone lived happily ever after. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's how they figured they could just say it. They didn't have to show it to us. It's like this stuff, obviously like you can imagine that this is how it happened. And I, the movie just makes me very happy. And it's it, again, I, I brought up bring it on earlier to me. It is a, one of those like foundational movies for me that like, really doesn't have much to do with anything about like gayness. (laughs) It's the gayest movie ever. And it's so, it's like one of those movies. It's like what Barbie is going to be to the little gay kids that see Barbie now. Yeah. 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 And I think maybe that's sort of what subconsciously came up when I was watching this is I was like, we've just come so far. I want to say I enjoyed the movie. I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming onto this podcast to like attack this movie and make it seem like it's some completely misogynistic or like backwards feminist movie to claim that I know what it's like to be a woman and can accurately say whether or not this movie was offensive is completely silly and wrong because I can't. I just thought that I was like, Ooh, there are some things here that 
I feel like are pretty common knowledge. And this is sort of like we said before, just kind of women can be smart too. We can do anything kind of yeah. thing. And it's like, we should know that. I just think it would be an interesting conversation to look into. That's all I'm saying. No, that's valid. That is valid. If you guys can't tell, or if you haven't like seen us on Instagram, if you've only ever just heard our voices, we are two cisgender white uh, homosexual males. Yeah. And that's the scope of what we can offer when it comes to like our opinions on things. So our opinion should not ever be the go-to, <laughs> but I mean, like this is just us talking. So I hope that Jordan did not offend anyone. <laughs> I hope this movie doesn't offend anyone. Like, I'm not offended by this movie. I just think, like, I don't know. More than anything, I just want to, like, I can imagine that for its time, like, when this did come out, it was a pretty empowering movie. Yeah, I just totally. Think, like we said, we have come a long way, and things might be a little outdated, and I just think it might be interesting to explore that. That's all. Yes, totally. That's good. Good for you. And if they do make a third one, then we should send this episode to them. And maybe they can cast me as the gay best friend in the third one. Yeah, and then we'll get credited, and then we'll get like three cents in residuals every month. Big Sean, boy, how big is your, give me all your money and give me all your residuals and slap it on my ass, 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 ass. It's Nikki's verse in that ass song. Oh. Okay, bye. <laughs> Okay, dibs on not saying take four. I don't even want to discuss how long it's been since recording take two, but would you say that this is our oldest episode as far as, like, lifespan? <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> and it's our oldest because it's the only one that's ever turned four. Yep. But yeah, it also, we started this a long time ago. I don't know why it's taken us this long. Was there a Comic-Con in between this and yeah, the last? Yeah, yeah. Wow. We started this wow. in like, it had to have been like early July, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, but, you know, Black Mirror got in the way, Comic-Con got in the way, Summer got in the way, Life got in the way. Uh, but we're back. We've got information to discuss. So welcome to our very first Take 4 and... Hopefully this is not a trend. Yeah, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about two different movies, and we should start with My Cousin Vinny because that's what the episode started with. Sound good? Deal. All right, so you said you wanted me to go first? Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'll start where I always do, and that is with the numbers. Los numeros. Excuse me? That was stupid, sorry. Nothing, go ahead. All right, so this movie came out in 1992, and it had a budget of $11 million. It actually was able to turn around and make about $64 million Fuck at yes. the box office. Nice. You know, for a movie that came out, I don't want to say so long ago, because 1992 is actually not long ago at all. You know, it's... no. It's like yesterday. It, like if someone was born in that year, it would they'd be super young. Totally. But I'm just saying like in 1992, a movie that's just sort of like a comedy making $64 million, that's pretty good, especially on an $11 million budget. My Cousin Vinny also has an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes and an 87% audience score. Nice. I saw the critics consensus. It says the deft comic interplay between Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei helps to elevate my cousin Vinny's predictable script. And the result is a sharp, hilarious courtroom comedy. Predictable script. 
Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's full of a bunch of twists and turns or anything, but I think it was special for what it was. <laughs> Certainly. Okay, so in order to keep us on track, I'm going to tell you all of my My Cousin Vinny stuff, and then you're going to tell me your Cousin Vinny, your My Cousin Vinny stuff, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you my Legally Blonde stuff, and then you're going to tell me your Legally Blonde stuff, okay? It's it's almost as if we discussed this beforehand. That's crazy. Yes. It's exactly how I envisioned it to go. Perfect. So, okay, like I said, film came out in 1992, and then it was directed by Jonathan Lynn. And if you're not familiar with this director, he actually both wrote and directed 1985's Clue. You've seen that, right? Yeah, it's the one with, um, um, she's got like plaid on, and she's all yellow. It's the yellow plaid. She's like, as if. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Good job. Another um, legal comedy, right? I love it. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a great movie. The script was actually written by a guy named Dale Launer, L-A-U-N-E-R. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Who had actually just written Dirty Rotten Scoundrels a few years prior. And I don't know if you've ever heard of that movie or have ever seen it, but it's like, it's a comedy about two con men. It's Steve Martin and Michael Caine. It's actually very funny. <laughs> it sounds funny. They redid it. It's um, The Hustle with... Oh. Yeah. With... um. Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway, yeah. Anne Hathaway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so Launer actually said in an interview that the idea for the story came to him in 1972 when he heard from a friend at law school about a guy who failed the bar 12 times before he finally passed it. And he didn't wind up doing anything with the idea until he actually became a successful screenwriter, like decades later, because this is 1972. (laughs) And again... This movie came out 20 years later. He also said that he had two friends who were dating at the time and that their dynamic inspired Mona Lisa and Vinny's relationship. I'm going to read you this quote. He said, they would argue in front of me and it was a little like a performance art thing. One of them might say something horribly vicious and you'd think, oh, this relationship has to be over. He said something really, really mean. And she'd say, oh, that was good. That was a good one. It was more (laughs) like they were having fun in a good, dark way. I love that. I love that it drew on real life experiences for that. That makes me happy. Mm -hmm. On a different note, I know that we had discussed how legally accurate this movie probably is or isn't and how I didn't want to harp on it too much. But I do actually have another excerpt from this particular interview that I wanted to read. And I was truly surprised by this. Basically, so when he got back, he arranged a series of meetings with attorney Doug Knoll to learn more about the law. It was important to him that every tiny detail of the court proceedings be legally accurate. (laughs) I did not see that coming. He said, quote, I took extensive notes. I'd ask him, what class in law school do you learn criminal court procedure? He said, you don't. I said, you don't? Then how do you learn? Well, you either go to court and watch and listen and learn, or the firm that hires you teaches you. I said, if Benny goes in and he's never really been in court except to fight a ticket once, he won't know what he's doing. Doug laughs and goes, yeah, he's going to be fucked. And I go, wow, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) I feel like the many legal shows I have watched, I feel like I had a pretty good idea that like you really learn a lot of it on the job. Yeah. That is a profession that requires you to actually do it to get good at it. Mm -hmm. But to use that as a negative to put this guy in this really uncomfortable situation that plays for comedy, I just thought that was brilliant. 
I love that. To piggyback off of that a little bit, throughout my research, I found that this movie is actually a fantastic portrayal of of the legal system. Like it's pretty accurate, uh, and I'll go into more detail when it's my turn. But I, uh, similar to what we did in was it Flight, where I looked up like pilots react to yeah plane disaster movies. There's this channel with this really handsome guy. He's like, he's like boring, handsome, just really good hair. He is a lawyer and he is like, he's someone who reviews legal movies. And he had one for both My Cousin Vinny and Legally Blonde. So I'll be going over some of his points for both of them. But the difference between the two videos was that with Legally Blonde, he was like, eh, this wouldn't really happen or it would more happen this way or that's not a thing or like this was good. In this one, I found that he more often it's like yes this is what this is how it would go down in in real life or like yes this is why he did that rather than critiquing what was wrong about it like there were so few times when he was like that's incorrect and it's it's interesting that is so funny because i mean there were several times like both of these we talked about how like convenient things were but there were several times where i was like i feel like he'd be held in contempt for this or like (laughs) this wouldn't fly or this wouldn't fly that's so funny Mm -hmm that this is legally sound. I love that. That's cool. And uh, to just one more point, uh, the American Bar Association at one point, I think this is in like 2018. I don't know if this list is still accurate like this, uh, but it's number three on the list of 25 best legal movies, according to the Fuck. Bar Association. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird was number one and 12 Angry Men was number two. Well, that makes sense. Um, those, those two make sense. Yeah. But that's really freaking cool. Yeah. Those yeah. two movies are like, iconic and for this to be right up there with them number three when it comes to yeah the bar association (laughs) great it's a dope movie and i really it shows how much i know because like i was like this probably isn't real but okay cool good (laughs) one other thing i wanted to bring up was in the same interview dale confirmed that there was a scene where Vinny explains that his dyslexia is what caused him to fail the bar so many times but it got taken out and he specifically cited a missed opportunity for humor in the scene where the judge gives him like a three inch book to read over the weekend he attributes dyslexia to why Vinny seems like he has something to prove like a lot of times dyslexic people have the fear of being perceived as unintelligent and apparently there was actually a lot of friction between lynn and Launer about the script Launer to this day does not appreciate lynn's style of comedy however the interview does note that lynn is the one who wrote the movie's most quotable moment the two utes conversation utes. played out between joe pesci and him in real life and lynn decided to put it in <laughs> that seems like quintessential joe pesci it yeah. makes me feel like joe pesci is the same character in and out of all of his movies you know what i mean like i feel like he's really that guy and that makes me very happy <laughs> well if you're finished then i have some sort of things you didn't know behind the scenes stuff this was silly but i re-watched the scene back and i was like this is worth noting because it it does seem so natural probably because it is the part where he knocks over the chess pieces in in the judge's office was purely accidental but they decided to keep it in the film i thought that was really cute <laughs> i love that this was Fred Gwynn's last movie. I don't think I realized that, but that was this was his last movie. He's the, the judge. This note was very funny to me. It says, shortly after her Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in the 65th Annual Academy Awards in 1993, a rumor started circulating that Marissa Tomei had won by mistake because her presenter, Jack Palance, had incorrectly read out the wrong name. 
This is a highly unlikely occurrence. The Academy specifically has two officials stationed offstage to intervene and read out the correct name if such an event should ever transpire. And I was like, hmm. Yeah, we know that that is true. Such event didn't occur until the Oscars in 2017 when Warren Beatty was given the wrong card and Faye Dunaway mistakenly announced La La Land as Best Picture instead of the actual winner, Moonlight. Uh, But it is careful to note that the error was corrected on the telecast in about two minutes. Uh, I Just like reading that first part, I was like, "Mm, uh, well... (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, that's... Yes, we would know by now, but God, that would suck. I just like a movie and a bunch of people being disappointed. That's one thing. But like just having one person go up there and then being like, oh, no, you have to sit back down. Yeah. (laughs) Like mortifying. (laughs) But she deserved it. I can't remember who else. But we talked about the fact that she won earlier. So I didn't even bring up the Oscar, but she deserved it. Whoever she was up against, she was better than them. (laughs) <laughs> I just thought it was interesting because I saw this on separate sources that uh, apparently there was some controversy that she wasn't the actual winner, uh, which sucks. But I'm glad that it was confirmed that she was good. I thought this was a funny note that Joe Pesci is only 5'4 and Fred Gwynn is 6'5. I think that's really funny. That is hysterical. And him like looking over him, even when he's up, <laughs> you know, on his like on the what do they call it? The throne the bench, the bench. Yeah, the throne. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> but um. It's like played up even more. That's really funny. Christopher Lloyd was considered for the role of the judge, which I thought would have made for an interesting change in character. I think he could have done a good job. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I think I I think I knew Fred Quinn as the judge from this movie before I ever saw an episode of the monsters. So really? Yeah. So interesting. uh, He's he's more notable from this, in my opinion. That's funny. Other cast considerations Danny DeVito and John Lovitz were considered for the role of Vinny I don't think either of them could have done as good a job as he did no because they have like the wise guy thing but like Joe Pesci is sort of like sexy in this movie (laughs) and he's very suave when it comes to yeah Mona Lisa and you understand how he was able to get such a drop dead gorgeous girlfriend you know what I mean Mm -hmm. whereas I don't know that it would have been as believable similar to what you said a minute ago about how you feel like joe pesci is sort of the same person in and out of character i feel like he brought so much of himself that it didn't feel like acting it felt like he was just kind of there and i don't think that danny devito or john lovitz would be able to pull that off as well as he did i think they would have been done a fine job but i like yeah i mean they're great actors in their own right but i just again i i don't feel like i could be led to see them in such a, I don't know, Joe Pesci's sexy in this movie. I'm sorry, he is. Like, I don't think that that's the weirdest thing I've ever said, Mm-mm. right? Do you agree? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. And I want to bring up John Lovitz later because there's some other information that I found out about Legally Blonde that I want to tie into that. You might appreciate this. Uh, this felt like a stretch, but uh, apparently in this film, Vinny tests Mrs. Riley's vision by asking her, how many fingers am I holding up? We all remember that part. Yeah. Joe Pesci used the same tactic in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, uh, after Daniel Stern's character gets knocked unconscious with a brick. I feel like you know those movies much better than I do. Can you confirm that it's the same? Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. I have never, I mean, I've seen, I've seen my cousin Vinny and uh, Home Alone 2 
a bunch. That is, I never put that together. We have episodes on both of these movies now. Do we? That's funny. We did Home Alone. Did we do both Home Alone 1 and 2? I'm sure we talked about both of them. If you had asked me if we had done the Home Alone movies, either one of them, I I would have said no. I genuinely don't remember doing that. Was that a quick take or is that a... You know what I remember? What? Is making... No, it was an actual episode, but I remember making the Instagram story and you sent me that Lizzo song. Um, What Lizzo song? The only exes that I care about are in my fucking chromosomes. I don't really need you. I'm a Cully Coke and home alone. Bad bitch. Diamonds on my collarbone. Yeet, yeet. I sent you that song? Yeah, you said you were like, you should make this the song for the... I straight up think that you reset sometimes. Uh, yeah. There are times where Jordan's memory just gets full on white. I, I <laughs> Like, do we talk about stuff so often you're like, no. <laughs> that did not happen i have no fucking clue i can't deny that i you're you're correct honestly like i don't i want you to know that i don't take advantage of that but i could just make up shit you could no Be like yeah you you swore to me that you know you would give me your television <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving with that bitch i'd be like sorry i changed my mind no um, i don't believe you <laughs> i'm bigger than you i will fight you but as far as like what was i gonna say oh shit i know i forgot what were we just talking about speaking of memory wipes ladies and gentlemen <laughs> the <laughs> jesus christ the home alone episode i think that was like several seasons ago so don't feel it so bad yeah okay cool the owl screech i don't know if you remember the little owl that shows up on screen when they're in the house and it screeches and he wakes up he's like what the fuck was that and he gets oh, a gun yeah, yeah, and starts yeah. shooting outside yes. uh apparently they trained that owl and did a very good job and did not fly away when the gunshots fired they trained him for that and like his screeches were so perfectly timed, they were not like scripted or trained for that at all. He just he just screeched at the correct times, and they were like, "Good job, buddy!" And I thought that was very cute. Aww. And then the stuttering lawyer, which honestly, it's been so long that I forgot that this was even a thing. Uh, he <laughs> he had most of the cast and set people trying to hide their laughter. They were in stitches the whole time when he started talking, and apparently he he has suffered from stuttering. I before. saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Which is good. You know, not that he stuttered, but that they picked an actor. Well, it's good that, yeah, an actor is playing that. But I also feel like I read something where it was sort of traumatic for him to dredge that oh, kind no. of thing up. And the director took him to dinner and he like agreed after giving him a bunch of drinks and stuff. After bribes. Jesus. Ugh. And then lastly, this channel is called Legal Eagle, and the series is called Real Lawyer Reacts. And I can bring up some of the points that he made uh, during during this video, uh, and I'll also put his channel in the description. First and foremost, the police lineup to identify the two boys apparently was a bit problematic. The defendant can attack the identification process as denying due process if the lineup is unnecessarily suggestive and that's a lot of like legal jargon uh but basically like if it seems like they're setting up and making it obvious that like those two boys were the um the culprits yeah then they can you know use that as denying due process and both of those boys were much shorter than everyone else on the line they were much thinner than everyone else they didn't look anything like anyone else on that lineup and then he also mentioned that they shouldn't have been in the same line at the same time. Like that was also sort of against them as well. That makes sense. Yeah. 
in the movie, Vinny shows up in a super tacky suit. Uh, you know that scene when uh, the judge is like, are you mocking me with that suit? No, that is fly as fuck. <laughs> he mentions that his other one was covered in mud. Uh, but this legal eagle claims that he probably would have been better off wearing the muddy suit, which surprised me. He claims that he's known lawyers who will purposefully scuff up their suits in order to seem more approachable by the jury. I think him saying that like he should have shown up on the mud suit was probably a little bit like of an exaggeration. But I thought it was interesting that lawyers can use that as a tactic to kind of like get the jury on their side. Absolutely. that, that That's fascinating. Again, I think it goes back to just really being into watching media based on the -hmm. legal process. But I'm consistently blown away by how much it is like a performance that you have to put on for the jury. And it's like Mm -hmm. whoever puts on the best performance, it's not who's right or who's wrong. It's like who is able to convince those 12 people and it's just that's it's crazy it's like yeah crazy it's like it's an art form honestly and i feel like uh i would highly recommend watching this video uh on this guy's channel he brings up a lot of points that i like again he he praises this movie he loves it very much and he brings up a lot of interesting points and one of the things that i didn't write down but i thought was super interesting was that like there was a line of questioning i think Vinny was questioning the guy who was like so you're telling me you saw these two kids between uh, like a dirty window, a dirty screen, some bushes and some trees and that kind of thing. And he brought up the point that like, no matter what this witness says, he's not the, the answer of this witness doesn't matter. What matters is he's trying to get the jury on his side, which makes sense. Exactly. And if, if the, if the witness had said, yes, I was still able to identify those two boys through all of those things it would have made him as a witness look less credible and it would have been a deterrent on him. So he's sort of like forced to tell the truth in order to look better in the, it's just, it was so cool how he's just, he was describing it. Um, and it's, it's, I would recommend watching it cause it was, it was really, really cool. Fascinating. Something else he said, uh, there was a point in time in the movie when Vinny falls asleep right after, uh, the other guy does his opening statements. Yeah. And he said that it's fairly common to see people asleep at a trial including the jury or even a bailiff, which is funny to me, but never the lead trial counsel. Um, So that's why it's funny when we see him asleep. (laughs) And then speaking of the other guy's opening statement, uh, Vinny's opening statement or response to that was everything that guy just said is bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He said is technically considered an argument and is not allowed as an opening statement. So that would not have flown in a, in a regular court. I think that that is probably my favorite line in the entire movie. Everything that guy just said is bullshit. Like it's a good one. Incredible. Yep. To finish up this section, he gave it an A and I have another note here that unlike legally blonde, everything he said was just like, yep, this is how it went down or like, yep, this is how things would go. Uh, and he really praised Vinny, the character for doing what he did. And he just, he loved this movie. He gave it an A. So yeah, that's it for my cousin Vinny for me. That is awesome. Thank you so much for for all of your awesome facts. I loved it. Thank you for yours. So I feel like maybe we should do another movie. What do you think? Uh, I think that is a terrible idea. Okay, well then we're going I don't, for it. I don't want to. <laughs> what <laughs> movie? Sold. What would it be? <laughs> that means we definitely are doing it. We're doing Legally Blonde, 2001. Oh. Legally Blonde. I thought you meant like in addition to Legally Blonde. Oh. I was like, why would we, why, what third movie? No, I don't. Oh my God, take five. <laughs> no, I just mean we're going to switch gears now and talk about Legally Blonde. Yes, that I'm okay with. I, yes. That is what I signed up for. Nothing more. <laughs> 
It's also fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, has a 71% critics rating, a 72% audience score, and the critics' consensus is though the material is predictable and formulaic, Reese Witherspoon's funny, nuanced performance makes this movie better than it would have been otherwise. And so both of these movies, they basically are like, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here when it comes to a story, but these performances are the standouts. And I totally agree. That's why I can watch both of these movies on a loop. I love them (laughs) both so much. It's because they have awesome actors in them. They're doing a great job. Legally Blonde uh, had an $18 million budget and it wound up with $141 million at the box office. Woof. Yeah. Jesus. Nice. Yeah, so it did pretty good. We know that it spawned a sequel. Mm -hmm. There was a uh, direct-to-DVD sort of spinoff called Legally Blondes, and they made a musical. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Legally Blonde 3 really quick. Um, So Legally Blonde 3 has been announced, but it's been in, like, development hell forever. It has had several supposed release dates that have just come and gone and the last thing i heard about it was that mindy kaling and dan gore who he was a writer for conan and like the daily show parks and rec and brooklyn 99 they were supposed to be writing the newest draft of it but that was in 2020 so it's like who the absolute fuck knows what's going on at this point with this movie (laughs) but back to the first one uh it was directed by a guy named robert lukatik And while he would go on to direct such masterpieces as Monster in Law and 21, which is, (laughs) those are, uh, that's a joke. Um, Was Monster in Law the, 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 hold on. Jane Fonda, Jennifer Lopez movie? Oh, so not the Polly Shore one. That's Son-in-Law. Never mind. Sorry, continue. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. That this was actually his first feature film. He had done apparently some sort of notable short film. And uh, it kind of blew him up a little bit and he got this role of director. Oh, and he's gay. I just thought that that was important to share. This movie was actually written by two ladies, Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. And now these two actually have a much more impressive resume because they co-wrote 10 Things I Hate About You, (laughs) Ella Enchanted, She's the Man, nice, and wait for it, The House Bunny. Jesus. It's like, wow, these, like, Jordan loves these two and he doesn't even know who they are. <laughs> uh, to be so, fair, I've only seen two of those four movies. But uh, the which two ones? that I've seen, I thought were funny. Huh? Which I've one? not seen 10 Things I Hate About You. Actually, I've not even seen She's the Man, but I've seen Ella Enchanted and House Bunny a long time ago. I thought you liked She's the Man. She's the Man is... Amanda Bynes, right? Yeah, you've not seen that? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh my God, Jordan, we gotta watch that movie. <laughs> It's good. I'm not against it. I just haven't gotten to it yet, but I want to. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I thought that that would, I thought that the little list of movies would impress you more. Sorry. No, no. They wrote the house bunny. So I know you (laughs) love that shit. Honestly, that's probably the lowest of the four, but uh, no, I, I, okay. I'm just going to go kill myself. No, I think that those, I like, that's a great resume. Like, obviously that's cool. No, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Okay. Well, so I knew that 10 Things and She's the Man were adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Mm -hmm. And Ella Enchanted was originally a novel. What I did not know was that Legally Blonde was also a novel. How did I miss that for 22 fucking years? (laughs) But it was a novel based on a true story, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, why have I not read this? The book is about author Amanda Brown's experience at Stanford Law School. And like... 
I want to read it. <laughs> apparently, though, it's quite different because from what I'm about to bring up, apparently the first script was actually very raunchy. I'm not saying that the book is, but the, the script was very raunchy and there was initially no murder trial in the script. And um, Elle actually ends up with her professor. Ugh. Yeah, it wasn't until production decided to change it into more of an uplifting girl power comedy that they even created Paulette, who is Jennifer Coolidge's character, like not even originally in the script. So I'm uh, I'm very thankful for that because she's probably my favorite character in that movie. <laughs> so my things you didn't know about Legally Blonde, uh, Reese Witherspoon had a child very shortly before she started filming for this role, which was interesting. Never would have known that. Is it the one that like looks just like her now? Maybe. I would assume if it's hers that she looks somewhat similar. She has like a fucking doppelganger. Really? Yeah, it's Ryan Phillippe's, uh baby too, I believe. Are they together? I don't think they're together now, but they have children together. Interesting. Reese has all 60, 60 of Elle's outfits, which sounds cute at first, but according to, I think the website was Insider... The intention was to keep them from being sold on the internet. And she says, quote, imagine some sicko in Wisconsin smelling the seams. It creeps me out. It's all in the closet. One day my daughter can play with it. That was her. Why she picked Wisconsin? I don't know. Well, Wisconsin's like the serial killer capital of the country. So, oh, I didn't realize that. I feel like we talked about this, but Christina Applegate was considered uh, for the role of L, but also Alicia Silverstone. Uh, I love her, Christina Applegate. And Charlize Theron. Wait, who who did you say else? else? Alicia Silverstone. Oh, she's in Clue. The girl from Clue. From, she she's the main girl? Is it Cher? Yeah, the main girl in Clue. Cher, right? That's her name? Yeah. Really, though, that's her name? Yes, but I'm, I'm joking because the movie that I brought up earlier that you <laughs> attributed to being the movie Clueless. Yeah was different than Clue, but okay. You know what's so funny about this moment? You know what's so funny is I made that joke thinking the movie was called Get a Clue. Is there a movie called Get a Clue? Yeah, that is a Disney Channel original movie with Alfalfa Bug Hall from the Little Rascals movie and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Mm. I'm just all over the place. I'm sorry for derailing. uh, No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm just stupid, and my memory uh, is just terrible, as we've learned. But... Most importantly, Britney Spears was even considered to be L. And like of the four of these, I would have loved to see Britney in a role like this. That would have been fucking incredible. So have you seen Crossroads? No. Okay. Britney cannot act. She's not a good actress. That's a bummer. But I love all of those people. So (laughs) it's definitely I think she's the one that has like the closest warmth that Reese Witherspoon is able to portray. Yeah. Like I... I always see like Christina Applegate as somebody who's a lot more tough and wouldn't mm-hmm. put up with being talked to the way that Elle does. Who else was it? Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone. I almost feel like that would be sort of redundant. <laughs> also, Charlize was considered. Th- that to me just doesn't make any sense. But me neither. Me yeah. Neither. However, Britney sort of does have that sort of like exactly innocent optimism kind of thing. Totally. This is so stupid. You know how I told you to remember John Lovitz? Yeah. 
Kathy Najimi was considered for Jennifer Coolidge's character. Oh my god, <laughs> they're Which married. Is, yeah. Oh, are they married in real life? No, in the movie Rat Race. <laughs> yes, that's that is exactly why I told you to remember that because anytime I think of either of those actors, I immediately think of that couple in Rat Race, which is. I don't know why. Absolutely. I think she would have done a great job. Uh, yeah. But like, I'm so glad. I mean, I think that that is not that Jennifer Coolidge wouldn't have gotten there because she has had a lot of really awesome roles. Yeah. But like th- that particular one is like particularly iconic. Yeah. You know, but it's it's so interesting how similar vibes and energies those two actresses yes, have. It's crazy. Absolutely. It does not surprise me. Apparently, Elle's application to Harvard Law, the video essay, would not have flown. And apparently, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Harvard Law School, according to some source, even began showing that scene during orientation to say that this was not how they made their decisions, Um, (laughs) which is (laughs) I feel like if you got into Harvard, you should know that by now. But oh, I love that. Apparently, a perfect score on the LSATs, if you didn't know this, because I did at the time was 180. Yeah. Do you know what Elle got? 179. Yep. So she like almost got a perfect score. That is crazy. Which is unheard of. She's like a genius. So, and then I want to go over some things that the legal eagle said. First and foremost, when she's representing Paulette over custody of her dog with her ex, she's committing what is considered unauthorized practice of law. And if anyone found out that she did that, she'd probably have been barred from practicing any law in any state. She would have just been completely disqualified expelled from school because that's you cannot do that she was she didn't even pass the bar like she was doing this like before she took the test before she was yeah i mean this was real like she was just faking like she was being yeah a lawyer just pretend impersonating a lawyer exactly crazy i think that scene is quite funny having watched it in 2001 and having watched it now because i don't know that it was apparent to me how she was just using words she had heard yeah yeah yeah. she knew that this guy did not know what the fuck she was saying now we didn't either much more comical i never thought of it like that that it's Mm -hmm. like oh this is highly illegal that is fascinating it's fraud and uh, he said, like, everything that she was saying is completely, like, gibberish. It doesn't make any sense. She's just throwing words at him to throw words at him. I love yeah. that. That is so funny. I really cannot wait to watch this video. We've got to include this this link. I will. I will. He's he's very good eye candy. Like, he's, like, traditionally attractive. He's, like, he's kind of boring in that regard. You said boring handsome. But yeah, boring handsome because he looks like every other handsome guy, but... Just knowing what you think Boring Handsome looks like, I know what this guy looks like now. Oh, he's gorgeous. Don't get me wrong, but like he looks like every other gorgeous guy. He has beautiful hair, though. You'll you'll see. Um, and it's funny. Actually, it's really clever that he did this because in this movie or for this video, he one of his sponsors was like an LSAT mentor company. And in his <laughs> other one, he was sponsored by his uh, the people that made his suits for my cousin Vinny. I don't know if he does that for every video, but I thought I thought it was cool that he matched them at least for these videos. That's very cool. I mean, a lot of times people will be talking about one thing and then just advertise something that is so off the wall. And it's like, yeah. why do you think I'd be interested in both of these things? He does it but pretty seamlessly. Like, yeah, yeah. But if you if you feel like you, you know, are, are interested in the legal accuracy of Legally Blonde, you might be <laughs> interested in getting getting an LSAT tutor. That's fascinating. Yeah. I love that. And he was also like, I wonder if Vinny would have a better looking suit if he knew who 
made really good suits and he like opened up his jacket and it was like i forget what the sponsor was but uh, it showed the brand of it it was cool it was cool good job legal eagle yes warren was the ex-boyfriend's name right yeah so he said this is i this never occurred to me but it's very funny uh one of his lines was if i want to be a senator before i turn 30 and the funny thing about that is that you have to be 30 in order to be a senator according to the constitution so I didn't pick up on that until he said that. So that is amazing. I don't. I definitely <laughs> did not know that either. That is really like. Do you think? Funny. Do you think that they meant that as a joke, or do you think? I'm sure. I mean, they they slowly paint him as a complete idiot. <laughs> the strokes are definitely more noticeable as the movie goes along, but this guy's an idiot for sure. I wrote this point down just to fuck with you, just to kind of like poke the bear a bit, and I don't mean it in any way. I just think it's funny that he brought this up. He said, it's unheard of or incredibly rare for someone to be a full-time law professor as well as a full-time partner in a law firm. He'd only ever seen it in one other instance in media and claimed it was, quote, similarly insanely ridiculous. Can you, do you have any idea what? Yes, I know what you're about <laughs> to fucking say. What, what is it? Okay, it's... <laughs> Okay, but here's the thing, though, because I'm messing once with you, you see, I mean, it's you. Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> but, like, you'll see, we really only see her teaching, like, one particular class. And then that class is I'm used, not... that all those people are sort of invited to help her on things. I gotcha. So there's, like, a balance of going back and forth. I don't feel like she's, like, a full-time I did that. teacher. And, it, and I just will say, okay, I understand you're just poking the bear, but I need to defend this. <laughs> Because uh, the show has six seasons, and she's definitely not full-time throughout the show because the the setup of the class, that changes throughout. Gotcha. That's fluid because of things that happen. So uh, fuck you, Legal Eagle. <laughs> You've been trying to convince me to watch that show. This does not change my mind about that show. I just thought it was funny that he brought it up, and I know. It does not change your mind that you're never going to watch it? Oh, okay. Uh, Netflix is being stupid right now. It's not my fault. I'm not against it. It's just complicated. Yeah, fuck you, Netflix. I know I know. Netflix listens to our show. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> the only or the last note that he brought up was um, that whole scene where he's he's doing like the rapid fire question to the gay witness. And he's like, and your boyfriend is your boyfriend's name is. And then he like immediately answers Chuck. Yeah. He pointed out that like this probably shouldn't have happened or when it did, they should have called up Chuck as a witness and like interrogated him. That's another one of those things that I pointed out to you and i might have said it earlier on one of the takes six years ago when we recorded them <laughs> that like that's super convenient i mean like it's yeah. hysterical but like it doesn't i don't know i mean joke, he yeah. just it was sort of like the what is what did they say like um asshole says what or so like you say it really quickly <laughs> and they're like what like that's you know, the it's thing interesting. He did say that this is sort of like a it is a tactic. It's not as in your face and like as dramatic as this is like no one ever does questions like this rapid fire. But it is a tactic to kind of get the witness on your side to just 
keep asking questions where he they or they just agree with you in order to like get him with that last question and sort of like use that as a tactic so he didn't he didn't like and it's like even even though he immediately recants it yeah the jury just watched it so it doesn't fucking matter the jury just saw you say you had a boyfriend it doesn't matter like that is just that's it's terrifying like i hope that (laughs) i never get called into question for all the crimes i've committed you know what I mean? Because I really, I, I would just not stand up in a court of law. Yeah, you'd get the death penalty for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, to wrap up this section, he gave Legally Blonde a B minus. There was a lot more critiques in this one than there was in My Cousin Vinny, but B minus is still a passing grade. I mean, yeah, like I honestly was thinking <laughs> like D maybe. <laughs> It's not a 179 on the LSATs, but it is still a passing grade. So <laughs> That's great. Did you write that down or did you just come up with that on the No, fly? I just came up with that actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look yeah, at you. Very funny. Thank you. This is sort of my last point. I know I was sort of cranky in take three, the last take. Yeah, it was right after Legally Blonde. I don't know why. Why were you cranky? I, I feel like I was just off that day. I don't know why. I was not thrilled with that take. I haven't even listened to it yet. But I remember being... I haven't edited it yet. That's why. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> I remember being like, is this a feminist movie? Because it really kind of seems like... The, the message of this movie is, see, women can do it too. And I'm like, I'm not sure... Like, the way that that was conveyed seems just a little off to me. Like... Uh, I don't know. But I did want to sort of talk a little bit about it and that that really wasn't the main message. It was sort of like it was a direct attack on the dumb blonde quotes trope. And it sort of explores how all of Elle's qualities, which are like loving pink and being blonde and like having, you know, bruiser around with her all the time and like all the sorority stuff. They were so often portrayed as weaknesses. And here I think they're celebrated or rather they're not like a hindrance to her success, if that makes any sense. So like having all of those qualities and not being stuck in that stereotype is I think what, what they're trying to convey here. Absolutely. Um, especially despite the expectations. And it's not like she uses those things to necessarily like get ahead either. Like, no, because they're not an advantage yeah, to her. By any because means. I mean, yeah. there are points in time where things are offered to her because of how gorgeous she is and things like that with, with her professor and all that. But she wins the day because she like believes in herself and she's formed a bond with Allie Larder because of this sisterhood. And, yeah. and she's like a genuine person and not an asshole. And she's, I just, I absolutely fucking love Elle Woods mm-hmm. so goddamn much. She is <laughs> just the best. Something I found in an article that I'll, uh, I'll link said early precursor to Annie Murphy's Alexis Rose on Schitt's Creek Reese Witherspoon's charm and relentless positivity help turn an archetype that's normally considered shallow or even villainous into a fully fledged character with depth and heart. And I think that that fully encompasses Elle. And I love that they brought up Alexis Rose as well, because that's her too. Yeah. In that show. So yeah, that's a great thing that, that kind of turns things around. I do still kind of think that like as much of a feminist as I can be being a man, like I don't, I, you know, there are, clearly struggles that i will never experience in in my life that women do i I still do think that like if this were made today i feel like there it would be somewhat of a different movie i think it was a product of its time i'm very interested to see how they're able to tackle 
it nowadays you know if this yeah. if this third one ever comes out <laughs> when looking up uh is <laughs> legally blonde a feminist movie uh, I saw nothing against the facts. Like there was, yeah. there was nothing but support of this movie being a feminist movie. And again, I I don't have any answers to those questions that I have about like how could we have done this differently to make it not seem like the moral of this story is that women can be lawyers too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's I I think it is interesting to see where if this movie happens, where where they would take it. And I, there was some interviewer, and I should know her name. I feel bad that I don't. When Reese Witherspoon was getting interviewed with. Oprah Winfrey and Mindy Kaling for uh what was the movie Wrinkle in Time Wrinkle in Time yeah yeah one yeah. of the interviewers like wrote a dissertation about how Elle Woods was a like feminist heroine wrote a dissertation and handed it to Reese Witherspoon during the interview oh my God. I'll link that video in the description but uh that like obviously warmed Reese Witherspoon's heart and uh, I'm sure yeah so you know it's I I think at the time, and from what I've researched, this was a very, I don't want to say revolutionary. I don't think it was that impactful. No, that shit like, was revolutionary. It's revolutionary. It does not Fine. get enough credit. Reese Witherspoon does not get enough credit <laughs> for how incredible. That is, I think that is like the overarching thing is that Legally Blonde is iconic. And yes. it should be number four on that bar list. <laughs> I did look to see if it was on that list, and unfortunately it wasn't. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be. Uh, but Aaron Brockovich was like number seven. I was expecting that to be like much higher, at least above My Cousin Vinny, but I guess not. Have you seen Aaron Brockovich? A long time ago, but yeah. Oh my gosh. That movie's freaking amazing. Yeah. Let's do that yeah. one next. <laughs> Well, we got to do Halloween shit, but yeah, I don't want to do legal stuff for a very long time. I think I'm I'm done for a bit. Just watch Aaron Brockovich again because it's really freaking good. But <laughs> well, no, apparently I got to watch She's the Man and fucking Clueless and get a clue. No, also and uh, watch Bunny. How to Get Away with Fucking Murder. <laughs> no, oh my God, watch Only Murders in the Building. I'm like, I just watched the first season like all the way through. I finally got through the first season. I love it. Well, okay. I also have to watch The Bear, too. Oh, I love The Bear. The Bear, yeah. There's so much I need to watch. I have probably been binging more television lately than I ever have, and I just, like, decided that I'm just going to stop going to bed at night. <laughs> and I've just been, like, because I got a laptop, and I'm just, like, sitting on my laptop <laughs> watching The Bear or watching Lonely Murders, and, the, and I'm like, oh, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. Nick, who cares? Who needs sleep? Yeah, overrated everyone's doing it these days yeah be different stand out <laughs> trendsetter <laughs> yeah thank you for doing this and um humoring me yet again with the dumb idea to do the chaos. Take four on the fly the chaos of this podcast i think that uh we're moving into halloweeny stuff now we'll see i mean maybe we'll be publishing our halloween episodes uh, on christmas of 2024 or something i don't know at the rate that we're going it's just gonna be <laughs> quick takes and more quick takes but <laughs> we'll see <laughs> you're not even wrong i'm not even mad hey friends thanks for listening if you're interested in hearing more feel free to check out our other episodes at take3amp.com or visit our instagram or social media at take3amp and as always that's the number three I hope you enjoyed our first ever four take episode. Who knows if it'll happen again? I uh, guess you'll just have to keep listening to find out. Until next time, happy listening.